12 minutes. The Fifth Mile Bit of Podcast will be on 997 sequel Jurassic Park one minute time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're here to discuss minute 58 of The Lost World. And uh, another quiet news week, so we haven't got much to talk with, but uh, while I was Googling the other day, I uh, discovered a video from a couple of, uh, I think they're physicists, but um, they actually looked at the uh, the glass-breaking sequence from here, The Lost World, that we're talking about currently, and... Uh, sort of would it happen wouldn't it happen uh looking at the cracking and what sort of glass it was um obviously not safety glass because the way it sort of shatters later on but um sort of just looking at the impact of sarah on the glass and how thick the glass would have to be to stop her impacting and not just flying straight through it um and in the end they found out it had to be an inch thick glass to uh stop sarah from falling all the way through to her death (laughs) Which, really an inch? Yeah, an inch of glass. <laughs> inch it, it is some thick glass. Yeah. I've seen... The only place I've seen glass that thick is uh, in swimming pools. Um, I remember doing a swimming pool once where you had a sort of a, a sauna um, attached to the pool and they had like a glass divider. And that glass mm-hmm. needed to be strong enough if the pool was drained or if the spa was drained individually the weight of one body of water wouldn't push through into the empty space. But, um, yeah, that's that's a lot of glass to have at that back, <laughs> the back of that trailer. Yeah. You'd imagine, like, even just the weight of that, when the trailer went over and hit the cliff, it'd be like the back of the Titanic, it'd just the whole back of the trailer would shear off <laughs> and <then> disappear. <laughs> uh, I cannot imagine Eddie putting uh, an inch of glass in the back that I... I don't see him seeing any reason to, you know? Yeah. And I suppose it's something really you haven't really discussed, the fact that that back door opens. I suppose in the toy, that whole, that back section comes down, it's used sort of like a, uh, oh, maybe not a lab table, but um, sort of a table you can put the dinosaur on. Yeah. Um, for the lab section of it. Um, earlier when it was in Eddie's warehouse that back door was sort of sitting down um, on brackets and the back window looked like it was lifted up with gas struts, so it's it's hard to tell if that's just how it was supposed to open and close because um, in the novel there's no, no such back window like that that opens and closes because there's no... Yeah. Even, when that, even that, when that back door is sort of sitting behind the trailer in the warehouse, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no cable... Uh, hydraulic rams or anything to um, help it lower and raise on its own. I I don't know what the purpose of the back door coming uh, up like that, but I wonder if it was like something that they that Eddie had so that they could load large objects into the back of the van that wouldn't or into the back of the uh, trailer so that they wouldn't be able to um that they wouldn't be able to fit through the main door there well there's yeah like large large sort of not shipping containers but large uh, pelican cases and that with equipment um because as he says he's not fully supplied so we don't know what else mm-hmm. would have been in there even the laser fences oh, oh no that was the other yeah, company. they could have had something like that but um because you wouldn't get it through that standard door on the side of the trailer um, no i suppose to uh, allude to something else, we'll talk about when the uh, when the trailer does end end its uh, life. Um, 
with the actual prop trailer now that's being rebuilt by the guys um, in California there, that back window mm-hmm. and the door, well, the back window at least is on a hinge uh, to open and close. So, again, it could be just something that they um, designed. Uh, I'm pretty sure there is that concept art with the back door open. There is, yeah. Yeah. We posted that before. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wonder though if that back door was to open and go down the ground and act like a ramp. Um, there's no sort of non-slip surface or anything on it. So it's just a painted door. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we know it's wood, but it's, I suppose it's supposed to be steel or something with those steel bars. <laughs> so yeah, it's <laughs> we don't really know. But again, I've got the um the link for that video up. It's only an eight-minute video, something quick and easy to look at, so I'll post it up on the uh, the various social medias when uh, this episode goes up. Alright, sure. What is that? That's, that's a high hide. A high hide. You know, you go up and you hide. High. Goes up to where the trees are and it keeps the researchers out of harm's way. Uh, actually, it put them in a very convenient biting height. Alright, ready to get into 58? Sure. Alright. As we entered the minute 57 of the Lost World, Ian had told Nick to get the satellite phone as he climbed down to be by Sarah's side. As we start minute 58, Ian reaches out and tells Sarah to give him his hand. At 57 minutes and 6 seconds, Ian glances quickly over at Sarah's lucky pack, sitting at the corner of the window. At 57 minutes and 9 seconds, we cut back up to Nick, still no closer to grabbing the phone, as the strap slips off the light and it falls towards the glass below. He yells, heads up. Ian grabs the lucky pack and swings it over to be in front of Sarah's hands. And as the glass shatters, Sarah grabs it and falls through the open back window into open air. At 57 minutes and 21 seconds, after realizing she hasn't fallen, Sarah looks up to see Ian holding her pack. And he says, your lucky pack. At 57 minutes and 26 seconds, we cut to Eddie driving hard through the jungle. Engine revving, palm front slapping the windscreen. At 57 minutes and 32 seconds, we cut back to the trailer, and Nick's finally climbed down to be by inside, and the two men help Sarah up into the relatively safety area of the trailer. Ian and Sarah embrace for a moment, thinking about the terror she's just experienced. At 57 minutes and 39 seconds, we hear a car horn start to beep, as we cut back up to the area above the clifftop, and the M-Class pulls to a stop. Lights on. At 57 minutes and 50 seconds, Eddie climbs out and turns the torch on and starts running towards the stricken trailers. As he calls out Ian, Sarah, the camera pulls back over the top of the trailers as Eddie runs towards the cliff's edge. And as the minute ends, he looks over the cliff and sees a dangling trailer below. And this ends minute 58 of The Lost World. So as we ended last minute, Ian had sort of climbed his, made his way down the trailer and had arrived at Sarah's side. Um, he sort of gets there, reaches across and tells her to give him his hand. And as you're saying in the previous minute, she's sort of standing there, or kneeling there with four even um, weight points on the glass. And mm-hmm. to lift one hand up to um, reach out for Ian would have just put a lot of weight on that other front hand, um, possibly enough for the glass to shatter. Um, but yeah, yeah. You see spider webbing really thickly, and uh, whenever she 
moves her hand, you know? Well, that's it. I think it's her, her uh, right hand. She sort of, at one point, she reaches out to try and reach the side of the glass, and you can see at the left hand it really starts to spider web more, um, mm-hmm. just because she's sort of shifting her weight by sliding one hand, hand across the glass. But, uh, yeah, Sarah, give me your hand. And we get a quick a quick shot here of Ian looking across and seeing uh, the lucky pack sitting against the side of the window. Mm-hmm. Um, in an earlier minute, it was on the window near her, near her hips when she fell down. But it sort of looks like it's against that, um, that sort of steel um, catwalk mesh stuff that's in the corner of the trailer. Um, yeah. I don't think it's actually on the window now, but it's sort of tucked in the corner there, but we get a cut back up to Nick, and uh, that strap slides straight off the light, and we just see the phone start to fall. It's probably a good thing it fell beside her and not onto the back of her head, <laughs> or, uh, or onto her back, because I don't think she'd be uh, reacting as quick as she does here, but we get the shot yeah. from under the glass, and it's really... They could have maybe sped it up a little bit, but it really looks staged here where you got Sarah laying there in that moment of heads up. Ian sort of, one hand, reaches across, grabs a pack, brings it back across and puts it right between where her hand, outstretched hands are. And in that in that moment, she just must instinctively grab the fabric of the bag as the mm-hmm. uh, glass shatters and she swings down out of the bottom of the trailer. <laughs> yeah. One thing I always kind of, um, as a kid, was... Something that kind of disappointed me was that when you hear um, her falling and catching the uh, the pack in her hands, and you hear like a slight ripping sound in the pack. So you know that pack is definitely going to have seen better days after this trip. <laughs> well, that's it. It depends. Or you, you assume, even if um, Ian sort of just grabbed the pack by the material on one part of it, most mm-hmm. of your most of your extra stitching and that is on the top of the where the straps meet the top of the bag and that because that's where most of the weight's going to be pushing down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of it's a bit dark here to see where they've actually grabbing on the pack, but we sort of get Sarah fall and it's sort of it's a natural looking sort of hanging under the pack here, unlike what we're going to get in a little bit later when <laughs> they're all hanging out of the bottom of the trailer. But sort of just that way you sort of turn your hips and your spin um, mm-hmm. when you've only got that one sort of point of contact at the top. But um, it's also interesting too because Ian's sort of struggling to hold on. Um, and she's kicking. Yeah. So yeah. it's not helping at all. Nah, but once she, she sort of settles down and looks up and sees he, she, um, he's holding on to mm-hmm. her, um, she stops spinning and he seems to sort of... It, it's a lot easier holding on and... Um, he says to her, you lucky pack. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, we are at the uh, parking garage. The parking garage had a, um, so it was kind of in a shape like a, uh, the section of fake cliff that they made was kind of J-shaped. Mm-hmm. So that off to one side for, I don't know, probably about 10 feet, it was just um, all fake uh, cliff edge. Yeah, yep. That's uh, pointing it out at the bottom of this uh thing at the bottom of this uh trailer. I don't know, I'm having trouble saying <laughs> it. But yeah. There's like absolute when you uh look at the behind the scenes it kind of really ruins it for you because like five feet underneath the trailers or uh, underneath the actress feet is the um blue screen netting with the 
punching bag in or yeah the um, jumping bag in case they ever fall you know mm. yeah it's sort of interesting there's one one photo that's um got the trailer it's not really hanging it's sort of leaning against the structure um mm-hmm. which i'm assuming was for all the interior stuff and then as soon as they started working around the bottom of the trailer with the back window from the outside they would have mm-hmm. just they had the crane hooked up to it, and they lifted it probably two to three meters to give that clearance underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, once it's back inside, they'd lower the trailer back down because they didn't. I don't think they had the trailer hanging, plus the um, plus a couple of meters underneath where the end of the trailer would be before you got to the padded bag. I think that because mm-hmm. I don't. I think the cliff wall was only about the height of the trailer, so. Yeah, um, it wasn't even really that. It was mostly, like, uh, just a couple feet below the trailer. Yeah. And then extended all the way to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, because a, yeah, a lot of these scenes here were actually hanging at the bottom of the trailer. You don't mm-hmm. see anything sort of above the rear wheels, if that, of the yeah. trailer, so... Um... Well, that shot that they, we saw where it's kind of just lazily um, kind of thrown over the edge... That one was for the um, in, for the shots that we get up here in the next upcoming minute, where Eddie is going back and forth from the trail from the trailer interior to uh, the yes. class Mercedes. Yep, yep. Yeah, because from memory, when he looks over that edge, it's not really a direct drop off. It's sort of it's not hanging directly behind the trailer anyway. But, yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I really don't like here is that we see like a big giant pane of glass just kind of hanging from a wire right next to Sarah. Yeah. Now, obviously, that glass would have been there and there was probably maybe not an explosive, but there would have been some sort of rigging for that glass to break mm-hmm. um, with her laying on it. Um, whether it was sort of a pull string going around the wire, the frame or something. But, yeah, for some reason, a large chunk of glass has got caught up on something and just sort of dangling there in, in midair. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to have to watch that and make sure, uh, see if that ever gets removed from the shot or if it just stays there dangling. Mm. Well, I suppose it's not until all three of them drop back through the bottom that you see mm-hmm. that bottom area, so... With the uh, with the trailer being sat back down and reset, it's possible mm-hmm. that would have been just pulled off by a, an extra or one of the prop guys. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, we cut to uh, Eddie driving hard through the jungle, palm front yeah. slapping the front, and again just the, that drum beat starting to pick up here, mm-hmm. um, which now, is great. I always wondered how they did that if they actually built like a tunnel of ferns to slap against the. Um, to slap against the M-Clash, or if they just showed the M-Clash driving down the street, and all we get is a shot of the, a, a hood shot of the windshield. Uh, yeah. And there's just guys standing out of frame holding giant fake palm fronds. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got the, the, the cameras mounted to the hood of the car. Um, yeah. Which is sort of good, because it shows you, especially a couple of times, you hit must hit a bit of a pothole and um, shakes it a fair bit, but um, it sort of gives mm-hmm. that illusion that he's driving cross-country um and then as you said like yeah. the palm fronds are just sort of in that right area where they're slapping against where he's trying to see um mm-hmm. on the windscreen as well and whether they just plant uh, as as we said sort of planted a thicket along at a 
50 metre stretch of dirt track that they could um, mm-hmm. drive this down because again it's raining as well so the rain machine would have to be above it or if they just had people walking beside the car with or standing beside the car with palm fronds in the hand just <laughs> hit the window hit the window <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's, Hollywood magic always makes you question those kind of things, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it nine times out of ten, it is just something stupid like that 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 um, is the way they done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a great little effect here. It's one of the, again one sort of early bit of um, just having the camera bolted down to the vehicle, so it's sort of shaky, yeah. shaky cam. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we cut back to uh, the trailer. And Nick's finally made it down to Ian's side, mm-hmm. and uh, gives him a hand. To, pull up, Sarah. Yeah, they pull her, pull her up into the safe or into the trailer. I won't say into safety because they're still <laughs> hanging over the cliff. But uh, sort of Sarah right, um, embraces Ian for a few seconds. You can see she's clearly emotional for about the situation. Mm-hmm. I think I would be too. I'd uh, looking at the cupboard for a new pair of pants, <laughs> and. Um, Again, it's sort of like last minute too. There's a couple of um, minutes here where there's a lot of just sitting, contemplating, and uh, it's broken up here by the car horn beeping as Eddie arrives mm-hmm. on the scene. And we sort of get another question raised here. Well, where where are the Rex has gone? I, I don't think Eddie beeping his horn would have scared him off. Um, no. In fact, I think that's actually what may have attracted them back. Back. <laughs> the beeping and rubbing the engine and all that noise that he's making. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of, in the novel, turning the lights on in the trailer is what scared the Rexes off the first time. But yeah. he, most of the lights go out um, while they're pushing it over the cliff. Um, but then once Eddie turns back up, the lights are back on. So I'm not sure. A little bit of continuity error there. Between the mm-hmm. uh, between the takes, but um, it was only it was only three to four good pushes from the Rexes that got that back trailer over the cliff, um, and so the, where it is at the moment, another one to two good pushes would have the job done. So, is, was it something with the baby? Was the baby squawking, or um, did they hear the jeep coming? But then again, if they're sort of in the uh, in the middle of a tacky like this, you'd think they'd be pretty focused on what they were doing. Yeah. Especially with the now, rain and the I, storm. Yeah. I, uh, now, this shot of the um, the M-Class entering into the frame here, yeah, I both love and hate this shot. Because I love it because this is probably one of the best fake jungle shots in the... Um, or, or one of my favorite, not the best, but one of my favorite fake jungle shots here in the um, movie. But then again, you can also, if you look really hard in like some of the more, um, in some of the more HD shots, you can tell if you look in the towards the back, you can almost see where the uh, jungle ends. Oh, really? But in a way, you also can't almost see where that jungle ends because. Is so dark and it's such a well um, constructed shot. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, we don't have any um, any uh, light lighting um, lighting equipment sort of in the back like we did with the T Rex breakout. But yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing. Eddie 
the M-Class sort of comes out into the camp area here. One of my issues with this is uh, he sort of comes out <clears throat> from this little space and immediately, or a few metres in front of where he parks the car, the trailer's parked there with the other half of the trailer off the cliff. Like, this space is nowhere near big enough that the trailer would have been sitting on up on top <laughs> before the wreck started their attack. Um <laughs> And it sort of, it always made me feel like a camp, like he was pulled into a camp fireplace too, because you got the two lo- the trees sort of laying down either side of the entranceway, like two sets of seats for kids to sit on around a fire yeah, or something. Yeah, it almost does look like that, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a great shot, I love it, this sort of this crane shot up high as the, uh, the M-Class comes in. He sort of gets mm-hmm. out of the car and starts running through the mud, calls out Ian's name. Um, he's got the torch and sort of shine the torch around the area as well. Um, calls out to Sarah and then eventually Nick as he approaches the back of the trailer. But just mm-hmm. this big pan back across the top of the trailers as he's uh, making his way towards the cliff edge and the real reveal we get there. But I just wish I wish there was a day shot of this just so we could see the detail at the top of the trailer because it's dark and wet and you can't really see a lot of it. But Oh, there is a couple of good shots from the behind the scenes um, that we get of the of this part of the uh, set, okay. and it I'll post them up when um, we this minute goes live. And it really is a really well made fake jungle set. I do have to give my props to it. Mm-hmm. And um, looking at this, um, looking at it now. I just noticed that there's a bunch of fake T-Rex footprints lying all over in the mud going that was, towards the trailer. That was going to be my next question, because I didn't see it on my iPad with not the best resolution. Because um, no, we, we, we had that nice foot, footprint beside the window earlier after mm-hmm. they'd rolled it, and I was going to ask if you can actually see any footprints here around the front of the trailer. Um, no, it's a bit distorted because of all the rain and mud is just kind of going back to the way it was, but yeah, you can definitely see the footprints um, going towards the trailer. Because hmm. the other thing is, too, if they're sort of um, milling around the front of the trailer, pushing in that, you're going to get a lot of overlap. Um, simply having a couple of footprints there with water filling up in them, you're probably mm-hmm. not going to see that um, that outline as, as clear as what you would if they just walked past. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I mean... So it's not, like, super clear because of all the distortion from the rain turning yeah. it into mud. Yep. But, yeah, you can see it, definitely. Mm-hmm. But we also get a great sound effect here, and we get it sort of later on when we get to the, the worker village as well. Um, just like that, that squeaking hinge sound mm-hmm. um, that I just love for, like, abandoned or sort of distressed metal sounds and that. Um, mm-hmm. I, we also get in Jurassic Park 3 when they enter the um, the embryonics administration building as well but um, just as we pull back over the top of this the trailer and it's sort of you can hear it groaning that, that sort of squeaking sound um, mm-hmm. as uh, Eddie arrives at the cliff's edge and sort of has a look over and we can see the trailer dangling below and the, uh, the crashing sh- surf and the accordion's not twisted, and the, it's sitting there, open, without much damage to it. So, but we'll uh, we'll get to why that is in fifty nine. But uh, Dave, mm-hmm. anything else on fifty eight you want to bring up? 
So I just wanted to mention that we have to keep in mind that this is the um, convertible topped M class that Eddie's in right now. So I mean, he's like soaked to the bone. Yeah. Yep. This dude is so wet right now. Yeah. You know? Well, that sort of comes up later too when Sarah says that uh, the baby's blood isn't drying in the humidity, yet mm-hmm. they're all completely dry from a trek through the rain the night before that we see. But that's that's for when we get there. Um, just mentioning the convertible Mercedes, it's interesting they went this way to make one of them a convertible when the M class has never had a convertible uh, sort of variant released. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably why you'd get you get wet. I don't I don't know how too many convertibles from the nineties sort of held up uh, rain wise. I know someone had a oh, I don't know what it was now, but I remember family members saying that um, you used to, especially in hard rain, you used to still get rain sort of trying to come in between that fabric and the wind top of the wind windscreen. So. Yeah, my mom had a convertible. It wasn't 90s era, but it was 2006, a Chrysler. Yep. And when you got really hard rain, the windows would leak, and it was just terrible. Hmm. We swore that we'd never buy another Chrysler again. Yep. Yeah, I suppose if you're in California where it never rains, you'd be fine, but <laughs> any, yeah. anywhere else. Which brings the question up. Who thought it was a good idea to bring a uh, bring a convertible car to a rainforest? Well, I don't really see the practicality, especially why why put bars on the windows of the other cars if you're going to have the rear of this thing open open to uh, like, like the a, top even you know yeah the top's right open. Well, I think that the roof stops right above the driver's head. I think um, because then the the two rear doors don't have a top, and you've sort of got the the boot area where there's no boot unless it's just yeah. a roll bar over the top because that's what the toy had just sort of had the roll bar over the top um no it, it looks like the convertible um start the convertible part goes from the roll bar in the back where the back seats would be all the way to the um just like a couple inches to the front of the windshield okay so they've essentially taken the boot off it and sort of cut the roof forward and removed the yeah. back side windows and made it sort of a yeah. with like a little mini pickup truck, sort of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, but then haven't enclosed the back of that open space. So, yeah, no, that's interesting. I put that I put that in the same category as you're there to observe and document and not interact, but you're going to take a car each. <laughs> <laughs> And for the trifecta, we'll throw the high heels in there as well. <laughs> uh, all right, that's uh, that's fifty-eight done. All right. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, the Lost World Minute. Twitter at the Lost World Minute, and Instagram, the Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative 
that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.